Please be seated. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to participate in college as well as community theater. And very quickly, I learned to try and not move when the microphone is on. I very quickly learned to ask a director a a simple question when I was in doubt about a line or a scene and simply to ask, what's my motivation? Why am I saying this line or what what should I be feeling or thinking in this scene right here? What's my motivation? I want you to hold on to that question. What's my motivation? As we look at today's gospel, today's gospel really has two parts. The first part is Jesus' condemnation of the scribes and the Pharisees. And let's face it, the scribes and the Pharisees throughout the gospels are the villains that we all love to hate. They're so easy to dislike. Let's see why. Self-righteous. He is Johnny on the spot, a thousand points. Test one, two. I think we're better. Thank you, sir. Well done. The scribes and the Pharisees are so easy to dislike. They are self-righteous. They are legalistic. They do everything by the rules. They seem to lack any kind of grace or mercy. And let's face it, folks, they're nothing like us, right? Jesus condemns them because of their desire for self-promotion. I want you to go back in time a bit. Go back in time to Ash Wednesday. On Ash Wednesday, we always read from Matthew's gospel about almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. And we begin that gospel with Jesus saying, Beware of practicing your piety so that others might see you. Beware of practicing your piety so that others might see you and want to shout how great thou art. And he talks about the Pharisees, their desire to be seen in the marketplace, their desire when they go to parties or to gatherings to have the best seat in the house. And for praying long prayers, simply for the sake of praying long prayers, so that people will think, wow, that person is just so holy. Now, I know it is so easy to dislike the Pharisees. And believe me, my point here is not beating up on the Pharisees. No, it's more about just getting to that question of what is my motivation? And then the story, the gospel story turns. The gospel story turns. Jesus, in a sense, turns away from the Pharisees for a moment. And he shifts into the temple. And it's as as if Jesus were sitting in one of the back pews 
as everyone is coming into church and they're making their offering on the way into church. It's a bit different than we Episcopalians do it. They didn't pass a plate or pass a basket. They had very large metal containers at the entrance of the temple. And as you went into worship, you placed your offering into these large metal containers. They were in the shape of trumpets, which is why you've heard in Scripture, beware of blowing your trumpet to promote yourself. There were no checks. There were no envelopes. There was no online giving. Everything was given in coin. And the more coins that you put into the metal containers, guess what? The more noise you made. And so if you were a person of means, I think Jesus is speaking of the scribes right here. Because they would have been one of the wealthier classes in Jesus' day. As they came in to make their offering, there was quite a bit of clatter and jingle jangle as those coins hit those metal containers. And they were contributing out of their abundance as they should. And yet he always questioned their motivation. Perhaps the reason for their giving was simply to give glory to themselves. And then we have a widow. This widow, as Jesus is people watching, she comes in to make her offering two very small coins. If you've ever seen a widow's mite, the two small coins, they really are small. They're smaller than our pennies. That's how small is small. I doubt her coins even made a clank as they went into those metal containers. And yet, Jesus said, she is giving not out of her abundance, but giving out of her poverty, out of her nothingness. She's giving everything she has. Why? And that's where I want to turn the question just a bit for ourselves. And really focus on the question, why do I give to the support of my church? Yes, folks, truth in advertising, truth in lending. It is that time of year in all churches across the country. It's stewardship time. And we talk about the M word. Mm -hmm. That's right. We talk about the M word. Money. Now, I know in polite company especially in church, we're not supposed to talk about money. Right? That's supposed to stay over here. That's personal. Right? Well, we're making it public today, at least within this little group right here. And yes, I understand that I am moving from preaching to... All right? What is your motivation for your giving? And I use giving in a very broad sense here. I use it primarily from a financial, economic, coin-of-the-realm perspective. Yes, that dirty, filthy lucre, money. But I also mean your time. 
I also mean your gifts, your talents, your abilities. What's your reason for giving, especially as it relates to here at Good Shepherd? A few motivations that are out there. One is the giving for glory. And I mean giving for self-glory. This is along the lines of what the scribes and the Pharisees were doing, for which Jesus had no use. That is the giving so that others will say to you how great thou art. And so that you can say to yourself how great I art. Giving for glory. Giving for self-support. Promotion. There's also the guilt giving. Guilt giving is simply coming out of that part of all of us where we know we just don't quite measure up. We just don't quite measure up. We've made a few, maybe a lot of mistakes in our lives. And somehow, some way, if we just give more, whether it's financially or whether it's the time that I spend at church or whether it's staying very busy with all of my gifts and my talents and my abilities, that God is going to love me more. And that somehow it's going to get rid of all that guilt or shame that I have about my past. That could only work for so long. Because it just, well, quite frankly, and this is from someone who's tried it, it just never really works. And that's where we're reminded from our reading in Hebrews about Jesus' sacrifice, that one-time sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. And that's what leads into a third reason for giving. And I believe it's the reason for giving that Jesus commends. No, it is. Giving for glory. It is not giving out of guilt. It is literally thanksgiving. And I know that we're still a few weeks ahead from the holiday where we ought to get together and eat too much, watch football, and take very long naps in the afternoon. But we are talking about thanksgiving. And it's the motivation for giving, and it's the motivation that I would commend, and it's the motivation that I believe Jesus would commend to us as well and want to see from his children. And it is a motivation that comes out of poverty. And I don't mean necessarily a financial poverty. I mean a poverty that doesn't rely on our own self-sufficiency. Let's face it, that's how most of us live our lives, from self-sufficiency. I can do this. I got this. And yes, I'll bring the Lord in in an advisory capacity every now and then when I need a little bit of help. But in general, we live our lives out of a life of abundance or self-sufficiency or rugged independence. Jesus is reminding us through the widow of this attitude of poverty, which is the antithesis, the complete and total opposite of self-sufficiency. If anything, poverty is God-sufficiency. Somehow, some way, this widow understood 
that without the Lord, without the Lord's protection, without the Lord's cover, without the Lord saying to her, I have your back. She had absolutely nothing. And so Jesus is commending to us this sense of poverty, this sense of insufficiency, which is a God's sufficiency, commending to us, look to me for your needs. Look to me for your sufficiency, and I will provide it. So today we're simply asking that question, what's my motivation? And we've seen the example of glory giving from our scribes and our Pharisees. And I think all of us can relate to that sense of guilt giving. Where somehow it's going to make it right and somehow it never does. And we see in this widow, I believe, an example of thanksgiving, giving out of thanks for what the Lord has done for us. Now, for me, it's often difficult to remember all that the Lord has done for me and for my family. Because let's face it, we've all got a lot of problems. We all have a lot of challenges. And sometimes we can become so overwhelmed by what's not right We forget what the Lord has provided so far. We forget his track record. We get spiritual amnesia. What have you done for me lately? And when I say lately, I mean five minutes ago. How quickly we forget. And so I would commend to you during this time where we are asking questions, we are praying, we are thinking about why do I give? What's my motivation? I would encourage you to make a list, your Thanksgiving list. And I would do it before Thanksgiving. Take your church bulletin home with you today. When you stop for lunch, just start making a little list. How has the Lord blessed me? How has the Lord provided me? Just start making the list. Or when you get home today and you've got everything set out, you've got your recliner, you've got your remote, you're ready for NFL football, Put it on pause for a few seconds and just jot down a few things for which you are thankful. Make that list as long as you need. Hold on to that, because I believe that it's in that work of giving thanks that we can move into a mode of thanksgiving in all of our giving, whether it is giving with money, whether it is giving with our our time, or if it's giving of our abilities, of our skills. It all comes back to that question. What's my motivation? And what is your motivation for giving? In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please stand. Let us affirm our faith in the word.